Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to No Holds Barred Podcast. I'm joined by, once again, Carl Donnelly. How are you doing, Carl? Yeah, I'm good, man. How are you? Well, I'm really good. I'm fantastic. It's nice and sunny. The window is open, so and exactly. I don't usually use the window open because I've got some fucking asshole cockerels out there. I'm sick to death of them. <laughs> they make so much noise. I don't know what the neighbours are thinking. but That's the... a nice noise, though. Like, no, I've, mate, I've, got, I've got my window open, and I'm in Harleston in northwest London, so <laughs> I predict in whatever half an hour we're chatting, we'll have maybe 20 to 30 uh, police vans go past so you know what I mean yeah that's fine but imagine the same sound no matter how nice the sound is the same sound over for maybe 200 300 times a day becomes irritating so um but it's too hot today the day is it's too beautiful not to have the uh, the window open and let some of it in so forgive me if you uh, hear that listener and um and you you Carl you're just going to have to put up with it but as you say it's quite a nice one. We're talking today about your experience with um what the extreme end of psychedelics like DMT and ayahuasca and yes. The reason why we're talking about it and I always found it interesting because we have had this conversation a couple of times before is that I kind of what we first met when you came on the Fighting Got podcast and I'm pretty sure at that time you hadn't done it or you may have done it but you hadn't had this sort of life-changing experience that you later yeah. did I can't remember the time scale perfectly I reckon, yeah I reckon I wouldn't have done ayahuasca or DMT I reckon I would have been in the early stages of me going on basically I had like a three year maybe four year window of going from having never really sort of dabbled in hallucinogens or psychedelics and going from there to like you know the sort of final boss which was basically ayahuasca (laughs) you know what i mean so i reckon the first time i came on i might have been in a phase i was in where i was doing quite heavy doses of lsd you Mm know now about once every couple of months as a sort of you know, I wasn't doing it as a party drug. I was doing it as a right. Let's get out into the woods and do it and have seven or eight hours in the, you know, in the shit. Yeah. And that, so like, yeah. So I think that, yeah, that I reckon I was in that period when we first met. And then over the next few years, I sort of got a bit deeper into it and then did what I needed to do. And then since I've just stopped really. Yeah, and that's that's the thing with psychedelics. Is you get to that point, don't you, where you you do you do stop. It's or, not, or you end up not stopping and then you're causing yourself some damage. Oh no, no. If then... you're like, you know, sorry, I'm I'm talking about like your everyman, not the guy who fucking loves it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> not everyone can when... have a pint of beer every now and then without being an alcoholic. I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like the you always, like. If, have you ever been to Goa in India? Never. If you go to Goa, you meet people who you're like oh you're the people that just carried on in it like you meet these sort of 65 year old guys who look like they're flipping their skin looks like biltong you know what i mean they've just lived in a beach hut in goa for 40 years since they first did acid and it's just are you talking about westerners (laughs) yeah 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 i'm talking like just a bloke from essex yeah i've been out here for 30 years mate and like they're just (laughs) on it all the time and you're like oh that is this is the this is the sort of... Oh, it's not a scary worst... It's not a worst-case scenario. Worst-case scenario is you end up in a psych ward, isn't it? But, yeah. you know, that, if it, that's that's sort of the best-case scenario if you're one of these people that stick with it. 
I, it's a lot to stick with, isn't it? Definitely. It's, it's not. It's, it, when they say mind altering, it's mind altering in, in in the extreme. Like when you're an acid, it doesn't. You can't function normally, right? No. It takes up your whole day, <laughs> and you can't. It's not like you can go about your day. There's no. there's a different. There's a thing with microdosing that some people microdose things like magic mushrooms. Um, and you, they're, they're taking such small doses that it actually enhances, in their opinion, right? It ha- enhances their ability to do everyday stuff like your yeah. work or be creative or deal with disappointment or deal with things that would otherwise be difficult to deal with. Some people argue that microdosing things like magic mushrooms really help you to deal with that, but it doesn't get you high. You don't feel any different, apparently, right? Yeah. But with acid, if you're taking a tab or two tabs of acid a day, you can't do anything. You can't go and work and do a job. No, you, you can't even do. You can't even go to a shop. Like I mean, I've I remember like like on some of them, you know, like right in the well, just on this. I'd say I'd just come over the peak. You know, of a couple of hours in, was just back to being sort of compass mentis, but still totally out of my you know head. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And then tr- just thinking, I'm going to go to the sh- I need to do something normal. I want to go do, I want to see what it's like out in the world, man. Mm. And then you just go into a shop and you just, it's like the moment you, you're around normal people who aren't on acid, you just realize, oh, I'm, I'm not ready for this. Like, you know, you can't remember how to hold your hand out to pick something up and, or you don't know how to, you know, you can't remember how to give money to the other person to pay for something. <laughs> yeah. Anything that is a normal job. That your brain normally just does just goes. I'll get. I'll sort this. You don't even have to think about it, mate. You, I don't like, know if you can't do it. I don't know if you've ever experienced sending a text message while on acid. Oh, it takes the par- about forty-five minutes. To takes about forty-five minutes. The, the paranoia you have. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm typing. They're gonna know. They definitely know I'm on acid. The hundred. I might. Yeah. I might be saying, "Can you pick up some milk from the shop?" But in my head, and what the acid is doing is, they know. They hundred percent know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. what I'm typing is so bait. Why are you typing this? It's like, yeah, like trying to to convince someone that you're not on acid when you are on acid is so fucking horrible. Yeah. Um, and I, the only experience I had of that was when uh, my missus's mum popped round and I she unannounced, and I had basically a day to myself and I thought, why don't I treat myself? This was a while back, and she turned up fucking mid trip and I was like, oh my god. Luckily, she doesn't stop talking and doesn't really. <laughs> listen to your part of the uh, your, your part in the conversation with her so i got away with it i think that's um yeah but even then somebody not on acid talking to you when you're on acid feels like <laughs> the longest hardest conversation like you know i mean everything just feels so long doesn't it the time mm. just goes so slow the time's crazy the time displacement is is mad that's really yeah. strange. Um, but it's all mostly really enjoyable and one of the reasons why i stopped taking mushrooms is i started to I started like during lockdown, drink too much. I was drinking way too much. Yeah, and um, and when I take mushrooms, all it all would happen was my my mushroom brain would be going, "You got to stop drinking. You're drinking too yeah. much. You got to stop that." And, I, and it wasn't enjoyable. It's just you don't know where you're gonna go when, once you take psychedelics, and that was what was happening every time. So I was like, "Fuck it, I'm not gonna do it." Um, well, that's a good <laughs> thing that you were getting a positive, you know, a sort of a some life advice. I don't well, want to be lectured like like my brain is my mum every time I take <laughs> mushrooms. <laughs> that was the problem. It's like eating mushrooms and my mum would come into my head. Yeah, not what you yeah. want. Anyway, this isn't we're not this isn't a podcast about us regaling stories about psychedelics. What it is is um I want to discuss that DMT trip you took. Um how yeah. it came to be and the impact that it had on you. Yeah. How you changed your life because of it. And before you start uh, Carl, there was I read this story on Arrowid, which is um, basically a, a personal journal site for every type of pharmaceutical or recreational drug. Anything there's paracetamol, there's accounts of paracetamol on there. So if you want to know, you know, anecdotal accounts of what people experience when they take whatever drug that it is you're interested in taking, then you go to this website and there are these many many stories about every drug you can think about. And one of the ones. Uh, was DMT and about this guy in um, some backwater town. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not an offensive term. Uh, backwater town in, in America. Nothing around. Nothing to do. The most he'd ever done was drink a few beers and smoke some weed. And he took DMT, and within two weeks of him taking it, he'd left town and and went off to start a new life and realised that right. everything that he had there wasn't 
what you needed and wasn't what you wanted. Yes. And in a way, kind of in a way, uh, that, that sort of seismic shift happened for you, didn't it? Yeah. And it was, I mean, DMT was a big part of it, but it was also part of a bigger thing that involved LSD and like, ended with ayahuasca, basically. The quick chronology of what happened to me was I was in a I was in a relationship uh, that wasn't happy. You know, we we were married. We got married when, at the end of my twenties, and you know we've been together forever, man. Basically, like we'd been together all of my twenties, and she was a couple a few years older than me, so like basically all of her twenties as well. And we just weren't that great for each other. And I reckon it was like late twenties. I suddenly had this like thing of thinking I couldn't work out if it was the relationship was wrong or, or if I was just wrong i was broken do you know what i mean i felt like i was a bit of an arsehole and i wasn't doing it right and then that, i i then i tried how, was, was that how you felt or is that how you was made to feel do you think probably i mean it was a mixture of the two you know what i mean like it was i, I used to be a bit of a bit of a depressive and you know i'd sort of yeah I'd, the 20s I'd, are difficult though aren't they i found I'd my 20s totally. really difficult i mean i think they're a horrible decade it, it, my 30s have been an absolute dream doddle compared to them <laughs> i agree but, so and I'm sure 40s will be even easier. Like, I sort of like, you know, this idea that you getting old as shit. I just look mm. back to my teens and my 20s. And I was like, you're having a laugh, mate. That's when the most, you've got so much pressure on you in your teens to sort of become an adult and work out what you're going to do with your life. And in your 20s, yeah. you realise life's shit and hard. <laughs> like, And then yeah. you've got to work out so how much, to do the rest of it. And there's so much of it. That's what I thought yeah. in my 20s. Is like, I left uni and went into my job and I was like, fuck, is that it? What, yeah. from 21 to the rest of my life is this is totally. this it and then you get um, to your 30s and you realise actually you've got a bit more control over it than you thought in your 20s and yeah, it chills out a bit actually, and you can actually make yeah. changes but um, yeah. so yeah so late 20s what happened to me was I'd always been a a party drug taker you know what I mean I'd I'd had, I'd had the odd hallucinogen but at, at, at a Philippine like Glastonbury or something or yeah. you know I'd, every drug I did was a party drug and I did it to get off my face and have an escape from from your your head in it you'd just be like sort of fine I'm myself five hours in a field just get gurning my face off whatever and I saw that as a release mm. and then um, late 20s I was in Amsterdam and and somebody gave me some acid and they just and basically me and my mate just took low we accidentally took too much uh, sort of when i say too much i mean you know we'd never properly done it and they gave yep. us really strong tabs of acid and we ended up taking something like two and a half three each oh right? my god and that's your Which, first time first time doing it I'd... properly yeah i'd had like I'd, I'd had like half a tab you know when i was pissed and a teenager and stuff like that things that had no real i didn't really know what was going on just to add but, some context to that to people that don't know i've never taken that amount in my life Right, so that is it's what's called the heroic dose for anyone who's read anything about 60s psychedelic you know, culture. That's what like Timothy Leary and all that used to talk about. That's what they used to take to like destroy their ego and all this weird stuff, right? Yeah. So we took that by accident in that we didn't know how much to take. And we took it and 20 minutes later, nothing happened. We took another one. You know, that's, oh my it was a God. classic mistake. We ended up both having the most insane, like profound night of our life. Mm. In, in Vondel Park in Amsterdam. It was just the two of us. It was an all-night thing through the night, rolling around in the grass, feeling like everything had fallen apart, and we were just part of the grass. And, like, you know, I felt like I could, I could see everything. I thought I could see every single thing that the world was made of and yeah. that was underneath what we can see. Like, sort of, it was yeah. like everything got stripped back and you could see the matrix, essentially. Yeah. And I saw how ridiculous I was, think worrying about all this sort of tedious, small time stuff that I was worried about. And I just had this night that totally shifted something inside me. And over the next few years, I started doing it regularly. So once every couple of months, me and my mate would go off somewhere and we'd take acid. I wasn't, and I didn't tell my partner at the time. This was something that was very much my thing, and I hid it from her. But this mm. also coincided with like me learning that actually. You know, maybe I should change some lifestyle stuff. If this, if this is what I'm having to do to be happy, and it was teaching me, way, like you know, I was learning that actually a lot of my worries were sort of quite superficial. That, that coincided with the breakdown of my marriage, right? And then obviously, as I was taking the acid, I started learning about other things. I heard about DMT, I heard about ayahuasca, and then basically, as that marriage ended, 
I, you know, I was sorting my life out. I was finally resetting everything. And that was when I tried DMT. I think it was right at the end of that marriage was where like I had, I, I tried DMT. I thought I'm ready. I've done, I've done, I've put two, a two year shift in of doing absolutely insane doses of LSD. I feel like I'm ready to try DMT. And I did. And even like you could do 50 tabs of acid and it won't prepare you for DMT. Do you know what I mean? It's first time I did it, it just blew me apart. Like, and it was a real, I'd already had a shift in how I think about the world and how, you know, I'm, I've become quite a hippie sort of, you know, everything's, sort of, I feel much more connected to things. I don't judge people. You know, I just lost a lot of that resentment I had for a lot of stuff. So I think I'd done a lot of groundwork, but then DMT just like was a next level thing. It was just, it sort of just, it almost like <coughs> made me, it felt like I died and come back. The, that is terrifying. The, the irony though here is that while acid, you're on that trip for 12 hours or 10, 12 hours or longer, maybe depending on how much you took. DMT is a very short experience, isn't it? It's 10, 10, yeah, 10 minutes, but felt, 10 it felt way longer than any acid trip I'd ever done. Do you know, like mm. I'm talking like acid trips, even the most extreme ones I ever did, like the most extreme I ever did was um, we did four tabs in a in a Welsh cottage <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and it was end of the world stuff. I mean, you know, my mate went for a walk at one point and I don't think he came back for about three hours <laughs> and he'd only gone to the top of a hill that was next to our cottage. So you're talking <laughs> 300 metres maybe. He'd gone to the top of the hill and back and he walked in looking like he'd just got back from Vietnam. Do you know what I mean? Like he looked so messy and dirty and like he was just had this look in his eye of like, you don't know what I've been through. He basically told me that he'd at one point he found himself on his belly commando crawling like dragging, grabbing grass to pull himself up the hill. And he was convinced that God was at the top of the hill and he had to fight his way to, <laughs> to meet God. Was this and it was, hill, hill steep enough to have to crawl? Absolutely not. We'd walked up it as a leisurely walk in the morning. You know what I mean? It was just, it was just, a, it was a relatively steep hill, but you know, it'd be a nice, a nice morning hike. But he yeah. literally was pulling himself up it like he was mountain climbing. You know, like we were so like, you know, that that day when we took four felt like an eternity. <laughs> but then DMT was a different level, like, because when you come off, when you when you sort of become lucid again after taking acid, you realise the time was all, oh, you, you sort of, you, time becomes normal again. You're like, oh, right, that all just stretched out a bit, didn't it? Yeah. With DMT, like, I genuinely, it's so quick in and out, like, it's like, it's like sort of shooting off in a rocket. And then you come back to your body really pretty quick as well. Yep. And I sort of, I was just convinced that I'd been on my on my sofa for about three or four months. Like I was sort of checking my body to see if there was any signs of like deterioration. <laughs> like, you know, checking my face <laughs> to see if I had a beard or something. <laughs> it was that sort of level. Like time didn't quickly return back to normal. It was almost like something had, I'd like I'd broken something in the. The time system. Did you just take this on your own, or did you? You went. Did someone help it, you? No, I took it on my own. Which okay. is, again, I don't recommend. I don't. I mean, I don't recommend any of this to be honest. I think most people don't need to go through this stuff to sort their shit out. Most people can do yeah. it through the normal channels of therapy. And this is a if you good... need it, medication. I which I've done as well. I've done both of those things. But for some reason, like I felt like I needed something more extreme to pull me out of the rut I was in. Um. Just this is a good time to actually put a disclaimer in, isn't it? In that, um, I, I wouldn't advise anyone to do any of this stuff. No. Um, not unless you hundred percent want to. I'd also and, actively dissuade certain people, but and, like you know, it's one of them things where anyone who's desperate to do it, I always think, now nah, you probably shouldn't, you know. Like for me, I mine was pure luck and chance that somebody gave me some, and I accidentally took such a crazy amount. That, and I was in, I was in such a bad place in my life. Like that could have gone one or two ways. I could have taken 100%. that and lost my mind and yeah. gone into such a crazy spiral that I ended up. You know, I could have, you could have, you could be walking past me at flipping Tottenham Court Road tube yeah. station, making noises out of a fucking traffic cone. You know what I mean? I could be yeah. that guy. You know, you see the guy, you see the you see the people on the streets and you think that they've lost it, right? They're making noises. They're not with the world. I often like. It, the, that's what I, I'd imagine someone who's taken way, way too much acid for too much time. 
mm. that they disassociate themselves from reality. Yeah, I also I, I read, easily could have been that. Yeah, and I also like read that it's you often when you see these guys they have a number of nervous breakdowns and it, it gets to the point where they just can't return from the the, yeah. the severity of how bad their nervous breakdown was. Definitely, but um, uh, and so that is one thing I would say. You know, mine is a mine was a happy accident that not only did that I you know I was in a bad place. I accidentally took too much acid, and I very I'm in a very lucky position to say that I had a good experience and it helped me then make a few other decisions for a period a short period of time in my life that is now over. And I feel like I got a lot of good out of it, but that is a you know every every person's experience would be very different to what? that some people would have bad experiences yeah to get to add some balance on both dmt and and acid i've taken acid a few times but I, there was one time uh where i had the worst trip and i took it too late in the day and it was one of the worst nights of my life and what happens um well what happened was i fucking like an idiot and this is what happens if you don't know and you don't respect these drugs then they'll kick your ass and yeah. what i did in my just idiocy i decided to take a tab quite late like maybe nine o'clock at night yeah which is fine if you can watch movies all night yeah and, and but that i couldn't do that because i had to go i had to I'd be up early the next day. I can't remember oh, why. God. So I tried to put myself to bed at like 12. And you can't sleep on acid. It's impossible. <laughs> it's it's impossible. In, you can't sleep on it. So you, like this is why you have to give, you give yourself a massive window where no one is going to be around or or certainly people that don't know that you're on it are not going to be around. So I laid in bed and I, it was just this undulating room. But but worse than that, it was all in my head. The trip was all in my head rather than yeah, visual yeah, yeah. because there was no visual stimuli, right? It was just me in my head. And it was horrendous. It was just, if it went on forever, it like the longest night of my life by far. But then in the morning, it was like, the what it told me in the end was like, you got to stop fucking about, basically. Yeah, yeah, you yeah, sort yeah. of stop taking the piss out of this stuff. Stop thinking you know it all. You don't know anything. And that's, that was my take home from it. So while it was a horrendous thing, I've always tried to, since then, be completely respectful of anything I'm doing, making sure that I'm not in any danger. And yeah. crucially, the way I used to talk about drugs, but certainly on the podcast, was a bit too like, hey, ain't this great? Which is a yeah, completely yeah, yeah, irresponsible yeah. thing to do. And I, I look back with a little, like, cringe a little bit at some of the stuff I've said previously. But that was the experience, and it was horrendous, right? And the yeah. other one with DMT is I took a dose that was too big, and I collapsed. I passed out on the floor. Apparently, I was retching, and my missus had to find me like that, right? So that's those... When we're talking about LSD and the interesting things and all these great things, there are untold... The, the, and, there's untold and stories yeah, of and one thing you don't and you also something like the I'd say with acid not so much acid is very much you know it is an altered state where you know everything just becomes sort of so loose and crazy and like anything can happen but with DMT and ayahuasca as well I'd think they are they're, they're much more personal in that, yeah. that you can unlock anything that you don't know is in your psyche like I know a good mate of mine did, he's done DMT once, and he did it with a sort of shaman type guy, and basically it never. The shaman said he'd never seen it before, but my mate went into a forty-five minute psychotic episode where he went back to childhood and really? was literally on the floor crying. He was holding onto the shaman's legs like a little fucking toddler, like, and he just cried and screamed for forty-five minutes. Like, and the yeah. shaman was like, "I've never seen that before." So that is like. That doesn't you know, sound fun. It can do it can do things to you, man. Like ayahuasca is, you know, sort of, you know, I very, yeah, it's big daddy I'm, stuff. Like. My ayahuasca experience was so personal. Like I, I just cried the whole night and dealt with all this. What was that? Sorry, I just noticed that a push chair has just fallen over in the background. <laughs> no um, it's weird, isn't it? I was about to talk about all my childhood issues, and a bloody push chair <laughs> falls over behind me. Um, but yeah, like I, I, I basically went, I had a lot of childhood regression and things that, you know, if I'd done therapy, I'm sure I would have got to in a much more gentle and easygoing way. But, you know, instead, I just did it with the, the most extreme way possible. But I ultimately got a lot of good out of it as well. So it was hard. Yeah. I just, um, 
and we're going to talk a bit about the um uh yeah your 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 the the, the meat eating stuff which i found really interesting as well yeah but that was um, the dmt that was the, the yeah I, I want to switch. I want to, yeah, I want to go through that as well. But one, one more thing. There was an, another drug which is like a synthetic uh, hallucinogen that I use called metacin, which um, someone give it to me. He actually, the guy who's listened to this, well, listen to this. He's, he's the guy that sorted me out on it. I haven't been able to find any of it since, and it was great, right? <laughs> My experience of it was great. And it, you know, be cautious. Everything. There's a caveat to everything we're saying, right? But. Um, um, it was fantastic, but you, you know that thing you talked about regressing yeah. to your childhood. That that was the experience I had um, with this with this stuff. So we were watching, um, we were watching the Champions League final where Gareth Bale scored that over a kick. Yeah, yeah. And I was watching it in computer graphics because that's what the it was like um, playing the game like an old uh, computer game from the nineties, like uh, yeah, sprites yeah, yeah. and and whatnot. So I was watching that. And it was in computer graphics, and I was transported to my bedroom when I was a kid, and not like physically, I could kind of see bits like shapes that were familiar, but the feeling I had was when I was like nine or ten, and it's impossible to describe to anybody else because they weren't there, they didn't feel it back then, and my brain had somehow, and this drug had enabled me to tap into a part of my brain that still had all of the things that were familiar at that time. Like yeah, yeah. The way things looked, and especially the way I felt, it was amazing. It was like I got to relive my childhood again, but as yeah, an adult, yeah. and and in that moment, it was it was fantastic. I also later in the trip went outside and was completely was convinced that I was a cow girl, not a cow man, cowboy, <laughs> rather a cow girl. I had a long, like leather jacket that went all the way to the floor. I I had long hair. And a cap, and not a cap, like a cowboy hat, and two guns. And I was looking out the backfield, and I was like, "Yeah, this is my range. This is my territory." <laughs> it was amazing. And then I was like, "I came back in." I was like, "Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out." My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is, we better not do any more of that. <laughs> this is too much. <laughs> um, yeah, so go on, tell me, um, you, you used to eat meat, right? You used to wear leather. You never even considered it to be... What you know? What, why did you eat meat and stuff like that? Why well, I just you... I did, yeah, it was just normal, innit? I just grew up. You know, my family are Irish working class people, so we just grew up in a household where they just cook. You know, it was your meat and two veg sort of lifestyle. And then you know, just I became this. I was I used to just eat fucking KFC and stuff all the time. I was just a proper you know go out to the pub get a kebab that sort of life. Mm. And then. It would have been, I'd say it would have been the starting would have been doing those, that period of doing the acid and sort of having these weird ceremonial days of feeling like I was connected to the world and stuff. That probably started a shift of me feeling like something was a bit weird about my life and how connected I was to everything. And then the DMT was like the full on, just, it just, it felt like a sort of, you know, um, it felt like it pulled me out of my body, held me above the world and looked down and went, you know, like, you, you know, everything down there is sort of connected to you. So think about everything you do is in relation to everything else. So, and that just shifted, it felt like a shift in me going like, oh, right. You know, so like, I am ultimately connected to our animals, so I probably shouldn't cause their death if possible. Do you know what I yeah. mean? So it just created a little... It basically made me hyper aware of everything I was eating and drinking and doing and wearing and sort of, you know, even sort of, I've become, you know, I'm, I'm trying, I, I recycle everything. I'm try, I try and be as, and I know that's not going to, you know, I'm also fucking not an idiot. I don't think, you know, it's, the individual can't really change anything about the world. You know, it's, well, yeah, how you behave. Well, well, you have to live in that world. Are, yeah, but it's, it's, you can't, we ain't doing nothing, mate, until like, corporations change their, you know their yeah. habits we ain't changing nothing you could you could get every single person 
in the Western world could recycle everything and wear fucking hemp clothing and go vegan ain't going to change the, the, the sort of the current rate of there was, there was a change story, of the world. There was a story the other day that loads of our recycling that we do in this were just sent to Turkey and they were just burning it. Yeah, they just shit loads of it gets shipped to Africa and stuff like that. So like, it's that thing of, but that being said, even being aware of that doesn't mean you should just continue to do the worst option do you know what i mean so of course you just got to do you got to do what you you can do and uh, while yeah. living a normal life i guess because often it's not even about doing it for the world it's about doing it for the sort of for the like, for the for the intention of doing it do you know what i mean if you yeah. do it then somebody else might do it and then somebody else might do it and it's that's the only way to change anything is to sort of change yourself in it right so for me i just thought right that's it i'm sort of I've had my little light bulb moment. I'm tapping out. So I just overnight, it was 2013. I remember eating my last meat and being like, yeah, this is, this is it. I was eating it going, fuck, this is, this is horrible, man. What am I doing? And I just went, right, done. The next day I gave up everything. You physically, you felt it was taste, it tasted horrible. It was physically horrible. Yeah. I felt like I could feel, I could feel what what it was when I was eating it. That was the shift. It wasn't a case that I suddenly went, uh, oh man, it's all so sad. I need to change everything. It was just some switch went inside me that for the following, you know, I reckon it was probably, I reckon the change happened over about a month of me smoking DMT and then every meal became, you know, I was sort of, you know, I was eating my my ex was vegetarian so like i would i, I wasn't eating meat every meal mm. but but the ones where i was eating meat i definitely just had this feeling of like i could see what it was on the plate rather than just it wasn't a no i understand you know, it wasn't a chicken burger it was a, it was a chicken do you know what i mean it was like yeah. so i just suddenly just couldn't stop seeing that it was like yeah it was like it's something opened up some part of my awareness where you can just see what things are or, you know it's like have you seen the film they live Remember that classic '80s film where um, he finds these sunglasses. He finds a box of sunglasses and he puts a pair on, and he suddenly can see that half the population are, are aliens that are controlling yes. the world. Yeah, yes. It felt yeah. like that. It sort of felt like I'd suddenly just gone like, "Oh fuck, man!" Everything I looked at, I was like, "This is this is made from a bad place." Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not saying all meat eating and fishing and all. You know, it's, it's it is ultimately what we've done for hundreds of thousands of years, but. The way it's done now is not how we did it. You know what I mean? Having, you know, mm. killing whatever it is, however many billion animals it is a month we kill. Like It's just like, oh, it's gone too far now. That's what, that's what it was. I suddenly was like, this is, I need to step off this treadmill. Mm. Um, <clears throat> what you said there about the, um, you know, it, when you bit into it, you felt you knew what it was kind of thing. Yeah. I had the similar sort of experience the other day, whereas like my missus and kids, they eat meat. They always have done and probably always will. And um, I, so I was cooking spaghetti bolognese. So I was took two pots. I was doing mine and, and the pot for the missus. And, and in just absentmindedly of stirring and stirring, I had two spoons. And without thinking, I've just, well, I was going to taste mine. And I've put the actual beef um, uh, bolognese into my mouth, the ragu. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just instinctively knew what it was and spat it out, right? Right, yeah, but, yeah. But what I, the only thing I could tell you it tasted like uh, after that was the first piece of meat I've had in my mouth, you know, cock jokes allowed, uh, is, <laughs> um, is, um, it is that, right? And it, the only thing it tasted like was how a butcher smells. That's the only way I could... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which not, my missus doesn't taste a butcher shop when she eats spaghetti bolognese or a bit of beef. But no. that's that's what fills my nose it's almost like i can smell the smell the butchers on the on the meat it's weird yeah yeah yeah. it's no it's it's exactly that i do the feeling i get when i walk through yeah walk past the butchers or i walk through tesco's whatever and i walk past the deli aisle is genuinely like no i don't feel i'm not some sort of weird one of these weird hippie vegan activists who starts crying and bawling and wants to throw a bucket of blood over the butcher, you know what I mean? Mm. But I do feel it. I walk past and I just see this sea of death. Mm. And like I can't not see that. And it's not it's not an indictment on anyone who's eating it. Absolutely that's what I that's what I always try to explain to people. Everything I'm saying and my lifestyle is not a comment on yours. No. It is a comment on my old lifestyle. You know what I mean? I couldn't do it anymore. So I stopped. That doesn't mean I'm sort of judging you. 
but it's that's it. I walk past that. I, I walk past a butcher's and I just see all this. I see this fucking just bodies essentially. That's what mm. I see. I see. I I I don't see that. And when I go into, I can go into a butcher's and buy meat. It doesn't bother me. And I have done for my missus and ham for my dad at Christmas and stuff like that. I don't have that kind of violent reaction to it. Yeah. Um, and I'm wondering whether you would, if you had never dabbled in psychedelics. I don't think I would. I genuinely don't. I, I don't think. No, I, I'm, I'm almost 100% sure I wouldn't. I mean, that's probably you know, nothing's 100% in it. No, but I, I reckon it. I, I, my life was is so different to what it was before. And I do think it was a perfect storm, you know. I was late late 20s. I was in a relationship that was doomed for failure. But both of us were unhappy. I was desperate for change. You know what I mean? That's sort of, that's probably the subconscious thing there. I was desperate for things to change. And then... You needed something. This was the... this I, That was what I found to change. And like, Change you know, is and so it, difficult, isn't it, Carl? Like, to, to make yes. changes is really hard. It is really hard to be brave yeah. enough to leave a long-term relationship. I was in the same thing with my, my previous partner, Amelia. She's like, great. I still mates with her, talk to her every week, right? But our relationship wasn't happy. Yeah. Uh, and we stayed together too long because both of us were too afraid to change something. Yeah, yeah definitely. And, and you had that mind shift through your experimentation with these drugs that helped you along, you know, maybe fasten that up. Yeah, I think that's that's what it was. It sped up a lot of things because I did do therapy as well, like in the middle of that period or probably towards the end of it. And, you know, and I'd, I'd had periods when I was on antidepressants and stuff in the past. So I've done all the normal things and they helped and were yeah. very good, especially when I had one therapist who was wicked. And I've not had therapy now for six or seven years. But like, you know, I still look back fondly on that one therapist because she was very good at her job and she was very challenging, which is what I need. I needed somebody to... I didn't want somebody to sit and nod when I talked mm. and make a few notes, and at the end, going, "Well, I hope that helped." Yeah. I needed somebody to go, "What the fuck? What are you on about?" Like, and actually get into me. Like, I remember like one bit. I remember getting like I was I was in such a sort of self-indulgent, like guilty. Oh God, what if I've ruined someone's life? And I remember like this Diane, this therapist, just went, oh, "What?" She she goes, "Look, right? You know, don't stop." Like she goes, "Stop trying to get." forgiven by everyone she goes it ain't about them right they're fine they'll be fine whatever they might hate you forever but that's not going to change by you being guilty and she just basically told me off <laughs> i was like <laughs> and i was like fucking that's what i needed to hear man you know how I mean? did it it's, feel at the time it was you know it was quite cutting because you know you sit there and think in a therapy session you're gonna get all upset and you're gonna be like oh man this is like i feel terrible and they're gonna mm. go yeah it's understandable you know it's been a big change to actually have somebody tell you to fucking grow up essentially <laughs> like that but the thing is she'd sat with me for a couple of weeks at that point so she'd listened to me she'd talked to me she was really good at just chatting about other things and getting to know me i think she'd worked me out she'd gone like right this guy doesn't want somebody who's a placid therapist who just sort of goes along with what they're saying and sort of tells them you know yeah i think you just need some time she i think she just was good enough and experienced enough to go this guy needs to be told to sort his shit out yeah pull his socks out and it totally worked and the next sessions after that were great because like she basically made me realize to stop wallowing in my own self-pity and um you know it's quite a risky move i'd say some therapists you know would be too scared to go for that but she did it and it was great but, um, but yeah, so I've done all that stuff as well. So I, I think, but yeah, I do think in terms of the hallucinogens for me were a very happy accident. I do think sped up a few things and caused another few things like lifestyle changes that ultimately, you know, were, might not have happened otherwise. Hmm. And now, and, also, and just a quick, yeah, quick, I would say I did, but I did use them for what they were, what, what I ultimately thought they were for. I didn't think they, I, I totally sort of put them to a different part of my brain as like party drugs or any of that stuff you know they were they were very much I, I once i'd had that experience the first time i was like right these are something else i'm going to do them in controlled environments yeah. away from people in the right setting use them for what i think i can i need them for did acid then i did dmt i only did dmt a few times really that like did it properly and then then i did ayahuasca and since i did ayahuasca i've i've what I've not done, and you know, I've done. I did a little, like a, a sort of, you know, a handful of mushrooms at a, like with a mate once in his garden when it was a nice day, and that was just really funny, and we laughed a lot. But there was no, 
you know, there was no sort of that wasn't used in any sort of learning sense. So yeah. I, I, I did. I, I sort of got to ayahuasca, got what I wanted out of it. And then went, right, I'm hanging up my boots, mate, and just going back to being a normal person. And I bet that wasn't a conscious thing. It's not like one day you thought, right, no more psychedelics for me. No. You just kind of reached the end of a journey or end yeah, of I a didn't, path. Yeah, I didn't want them. I don't need them. I don't, look, I don't want them. I don't, I've, I've had periods as well when my mate has said to me, the one I did the mushrooms with, he said, should we do like a session? And I've just sort of thought about it and gone, do you know what? I don't really want to. I just can't be hard. It's not, yeah, I don't think I need to do it. Well, you've got baby and... Uh... Uh, yeah, yeah, but also just like, yeah, that I don't think I'll get anything out of it that I haven't already got out of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It feels like I did it enough, got what I wanted, got what I needed, and now I'm sort of fine. And I'm, you know, and I, I, I don't get me wrong. I reckon, you know, now I'm into like little, yeah, I'm a bit of a, I'm into Buddhism, mm. right? And that, that, that sounds like, you know, I'm not a Buddhist. I don't go to temples and stuff. But I, you know, I've read all the stuff. I, I do a bit of meditation. I um, I try and live by some of the teachings. And a lot of them overlap with the stuff you have when you do acid. You know, all this stuff about feeling connected to everything, and you know, everything is inside you as well as, you know, all that stuff that you experience. Ultimately, it's probably just the same sort of stuff that the people that founded the religions experienced by accident or something, or during meditation, mm. and they wrote it down. You know what I mean? So like. Now I just I, I like, I'm quite happy just to do a bit of reading like that and do a little bit of meditation and experience those things in a small way. It's interesting what you're saying as well, especially the um, the, the counselling, and because you know that there are trials in the states, and I think it's going to be happening here pretty soon, where they're using psilocybin to um, to get people into a state where they can break down the things that they need to break down and deal with that traditional therapies haven't been able to help them with. And they're not hitting them with a little bit just to get them talking. Like you might take a little bit of MDMA because your inhibitions go down and you can talk to a stranger for hours, right? You can do that on MDMA in a recreational setting. But these um, doctors, the therapist doctors, I'm not sure exactly what what they are, but they're using huge doses of psilocybin um, on these patients. They're laying them down on um, this comfortable sort of bed and in it's it's intravenously um you know introduced to the body and they're giving them big doses and it's for them to get to, to for their brains to kick into gear to start dealing with it because the yeah. one thing about mushrooms and, and and whatnot is that you can't control it you have to go with wherever the yeah, 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 the, yeah. the trip is taking you and if you fight it it tends to go south right yeah, yeah. So you so you have to deal with what they're talking about. Like like the same when the mushrooms keep telling me about the drinking. You got and the mushrooms are right, and and I yeah, have yeah, since yeah. cut down the amount of drink. But it was like I don't want to have that conversation over and over again. But I knew it was going to happen each time because you can't control what the mushrooms want you to think about. Anyway, so it's interesting that 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 scientifically and medically they're they're introducing this to to get people and help people deal with the stuff that's happened in their life. And it sounds like you've just done that ahead of the curve kind of in a way. Yeah, or by, yeah and by accident. And by that's accident, the thing, that sort of big dose thing that I said happened by accident and that you're saying that they're doing now in trials. I think another part of that reason as well is you almost need that first big like like you always need it to shred you apart to then start again almost isn't it that's what i felt i felt after that first time i took acid to that level that genuinely it felt like i lay in the middle of vondel park in amsterdam on the grass face down (laughs) just touching the grass and i felt like i was i felt like i'd just melted into that grass and i was just stuffed and then over the next few hours, I sort of came back together. And the next day, it was that thing of like, I genuinely felt like I'd almost been reborn. And that feeling was the thing that was like, right, okay, this is, there's something mm. in that feeling of, if that if I can have that experience in one night, maybe changing your lifestyle isn't that difficult, but changing your circumstances. Like, there's, it, it, it just put everything in perspective. And I think that's probably what they're, part of their thinking in, these trials is you need to give people that you know what them the old 60s and 70s lot would call you know the ego the death ego death wouldn't mm. it? that's what they used to call it because mm. it felt like you're you and what you think of as you which isn't real is it you know what i mean no. it's just a build-up of whatever however old you are 
yeah, I've got 39 years of just sort of being me in this world. And it's, you know, you just build up this idea of yourself when it's all just underneath, you know, we're all just fucking amoebas, isn't it, right? Yeah. So, like, that feeling of being destroyed that quickly, within, like, you know, within half an hour of taking it, I was suddenly just a, a puddle, essentially. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> and that, to have that experience makes you go, right, I ain't shit, man. Yeah. I ain't, all this stuff I think of as me is not real. I've created it. I've let, I've built it up over the years. And actually, it's very, if you can change that quickly in, in a park in Amsterdam, it ain't that hard to look at your relationship and go, right, this needs to change. Look at your career. This needs to change. Like suddenly, those things become it's quite stuff you know already, it. isn't it? It's stuff you know already. Yeah, it's just but 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 by removing everything your ego says is important, and yeah, um, it enables you to see things clearly. And totally. you might not be able to make those changes immediately, but the fact no. that you know that they need to change, and but you're be, moving yeah. towards it, and it becomes easier to like think right. Oh right, changing my job probably isn't as tricky as I think it is. Considering last night I became grass for five hours, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, just this thing on um, the psilocybin trials, just because it's the way I spoke about it then, it just sounded like I made it up and heard it on Joe Rogan or something. Um, <laughs> so King's College London, which is a reputable university in London, um, they're currently doing psilocybin trials. It says the psychedelic trials group at the Centre for Effective Disorders is currently running randomised controlled trials of psilocybin. These trials are led by Dr. James Rucker and professional Alan, Professor Alan Young. The overall aim of the trials is to determine whether psilocybin, given the psych- psychological support, is a safe and effective way of therapy. And uh, initially, our trials are focusing on clinical depression. There you go. And it's yeah. starting in early 2021, so they probably started work. Yeah. So it's and interesting to see what happens there. It is interesting. And also, like that period when I was doing it was set against a period of depression. You know, I'd been on and off antidepressants. But it was, I would say, you know, giving up antidepressants for the last time, the, the, I felt strong enough and happy enough to do that, partly because I was doing these little, you know, every other month, every whatever, sessions of my own creation. So that, for me, I felt like, right, I think I'm I'm at a point of being well enough that I can last six weeks until I, I have a little reset. And then, you know, I don't need to take those sertraline tablets that i was taking for a long time you know what i mean did you so like, did you find did you was you, you finished taking antidepressants when you when you was doing psychedelics or yeah, yeah so there was an overlap and then there was um, an overlap yeah and then i gave up this the antidepressants and and enough because i'd found my own little coping mechanism <laughs> did, that did i was you go finding to... more useful and i was actually getting more out of rather than just taking the antidepressants which just sort of dampen things enough that you don't feel constantly like this sense of dread. Yeah. Did you go to your GP and go, look, I'm not taking in these anymore because I've found I acid? I found a better one. <laughs> Got a better one. It's called acid. <laughs> I didn't, actually. I just, um, do you know what? It was against their wishes. I just stopped uh, taking them. Yeah. Um, I, st- I stopped taking them overnight as well when I decided, which isn't where it recommended. And I wouldn't did recommend have, it to anyone. But again, did it have it was, any impact? Uh, not really. I mean, I've, I've, I, I could feel it in myself that I was ready to do that, and I was going to yeah. be fine to ride out that next sort of month. So I, yeah, I, for me, it was fine. I would say most people, you know, it, again, you, you, everyone knows their own <clears throat> body and mind. Yeah. So I wouldn't recommend it though. All right, I think we'll leave it there, Carl. Cool, man. Thank you very much. It was really interesting. No, it's, it's interesting stuff to talk about because sometimes I feel like, as every sort of. Six months passes. I feel differently about looking back at that bit. When yeah. you know, nearer the time, I think I used to talk about it with a bit more um, glee and like you know, it was. It was I still because I, I did enjoy it. Then bloody crazy acid sessions. I used to think were a right laugh as well. There was periods when I was feeling like I was getting stuff done in my mind, and there was periods where I was fucking rolling around in the garden, just hysterically laughing as well, which is also very cathartic. Yeah. But you know, I think every like I feel now like a few years has passed, and I can I'm actually looking back on it with a much more critical eye and thinking like you know seeing the the benefits and the risks that came with it, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Just talking about it, it makes me realise that it was it was mental to go into that period and and just feel like I was some sort of doctor. But when I was, I was just, I was just a depressed man in a failing, failing marriage. You know, it could have gone so wrong. 
I um, I, I we've had this conversation in very on various platforms several times, and this has been the most interesting time we've had yeah. it, for sure. I feel like because I feel like I'm I'm finally starting to work out genuinely what happened. You know what I mean? Yeah. Enough time has passed now, and I'm so, I'm far enough out of it, and I'm remarried. I've got a little baby, and like my life is now so different to what it was a decade ago. That I'm and I'm so just happy and in general happy. Like I don't need to take anything. You know, what I, I mean? agree. Like, yeah, and I just I suddenly look. I'm looking back at that period like with a much more objective view on it. Yeah, so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's a weird, you know. And everyone, you know, it's just yeah. I, I would say I, I genuinely would like to hammer home that disclaimer that none none of it is a recommendation. It was. I, I purely feel like I was a lucky. It all yeah. just happened by chance, and I was very lucky that I got the benefits that I did. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I know, mean, look, these are just anecdotal accounts, aren't they? This is not a, you know, this is. And, uh, you know, as a as a quick sort of side point, my my best mate who went on this journey with me, um, you know, and this is this is sort of you know, I'm not going to name him or anything, so no, this don't. isn't probably a, you know, he'll be all right with this, but um, he. Um, he was also going through some like he basically was we're the same age. We've known each we've been best mates since school. He was um not in a bad relationship or anything, but he was in a job he hated, you know, he just didn't know what he was doing. He didn't go to uni or anything, but he managed to get a decent job working in us in the city mm. and he just hated it. Late twenties, he was like, What the fuck am I doing with my life? So we we were both at that point. So we did this together. He's not in India in, in Goa on a beach, is he? Um, he's not, <laughs> but he does now live in a uh, Zen m- retreat in really? uh, in Mid Wales. Wow! So, you know, he's he's tapped out of what we, people would think of as normal civilization. Essentially, he doesn't. He he just got off. You know what I Is mean? Is he happy like, or very happy? Yeah. Good. But like for him, like he, so, I I managed to sort of sort my what my personal life out, and I never got to a point where I thought I need to like you know I, I'm happy reading my flipping Dhammapadas and every now and again and doing a bit of Buddhist meditation and breathing stuff. And I, I exist in a very happy place doing that. For him, though, he what he got from it is that he needed to get off the, the, the yeah. sort of daily grind. So he... But I guess he's you know, kind of like... He would have been working the city as a lifestyle in itself. And it's yeah, and he was into, you know, he, would, he loved a bit of coke and, you know, it was all... He, he was just part of that world. And then... Once he's found, you know, through hallucinogens, he found a different sense of self. He then started getting into meditation. And, and me and him at the same time, we used to go down to London Buddhist Centre together every week and, you know, do our meditation sessions. And then, but from there, whereas I'd got what I needed out of it and reset and now I'm happy, he needed more. So he went off and went to, he, he travelled around India. We went to India together at one point, but that was sort of years ago. But he went back on his own and, just got off the grid and ended up in a retreat somewhere and then he then he went to one in germany i think and mm. then he's now just based in this little zen retreat in wales just meditates all day and that's he's that's what he had to do it's what he ended up finding that he had to do so there is you know there's ways this stuff could end up pointing you in so i'm quite lucky that it just taught me to be happy in the world that we have for real nice one carl it's mate.